Ahoy, I'm Comic Book Hunter, also known as just Hunter. Hello there, I'm History of the Flash, but you can call me JD. I'm Tyler, also known as Comic Boy. I'm Harper, also known as Demon in a Bottle. And this is a hero story. We're joined by a very special guest this week, a legendary writer, writer of Kingdom Come, runs on Daredevil, The Flash, Fantastic Four, and more, Mark Wade. Speaking. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Please. Mark. Hold your applause oh at the end of the podcast. It's, all right. <laughs> uh, it's hard. It's difficult. I'm sorry. Uh, Mark, uh, as I said, it's just an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, you've written so many iconic runs, and we're ready with some questions to go because uh, there's so much to cover because you've had such a great career. And uh, we want to start right at the beginning of that career. Um, yeah. How did you get involved in comics, reading them first when you were a kid, I would assume? And then how did you break into the industry? Well, I mean, I, I started reading when I was, yeah, like like all of us, right? I started reading when I was really young. In my case, I was an only child who was kind of pampered. So I was reading by the age I was, by the time I was like three, three and a half years old. I was, you know, little, small reading and stuff. So uh, the Batman TV show was on at that time with Adam West. My dad sees that. He's like, I remember comics. And he brings me home a comic from, from Batman. And I, that was it. And I just never stopped after that. That was, that locked me in for life. But even then, I didn't necessarily want to be a creative person. I just thought, I love comics. I wanted to have something to do with them. And I went, I I wanted to be an editor because I figured that's the easier job. You don't have to type anything. (laughs) You don't have to draw anything. You still get to be involved with comics. And so I was an editor at DC for a couple of years in the late 80s. And after that, I went freelance. And I've just been incredibly lucky. Like, I've never had to pick up a phone. I've always had somebody you know, making sure that I got my rent covered and I've always had work. And, and that's really kind of it. I didn't have any grand ambitions. I just more more backed into it, but it seems to have worked out so far. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're pretty well established in the comic book industry. If I could could ask when you first started reading, when you were a kid, who was your favorite character? When I, Superman, like right off the bat. I mean, Batman was the first background. Yeah. Yeah, for Batman's the first guy I saw, but but I saw a world's finest Superman and Batman right after that, and Superman was was really it. I also like Robin a lot. I like Robin, and my other favorite growing up was in a super obscure character named Robbie Reed, the Dial H for Hero Kid, who was nineteen. So go online, look for pictures, and that, and mostly it's because that's exactly what I look like when I was that age, like exactly. Uh And so that, yeah, that caught my, you know, real, you know, blonde headed kid with glasses and, you know, sports shirts and stuff. That's exactly what I look like. So Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) But really Superman got locked in with the first movie. That was, that was really when I'm like, you know, 14 or so, 14, 15. That's when that sort of locked in as, okay, that's my guy. That's my guy. So, so, then, so yeah, sorry, you go you, ahead. You, bro- you broke into DC, you know, late 80s, uh, early 90s, right? You started as the editor, I remember. In one yeah. of the Flash books, uh, you mentioned that in the trade. And then eventually you started making your way to writer, right? Flash was a, a big opportunity that got brought on Brian Augustine. Um, yep. the, the unsung hero of Flash, I think he doesn't get nearly Un- enough credit. Unquestionably <laughs> true, yes. Without <laughs> him, none of this exists. Yeah, without well, him, I, I'm, I, I, I've I'm, always I'm, said that. He's he's the man when, it, I mean, you're the man, but he's, he's no, the I'm co-man when it comes to making Wally Brian. West who yeah. he is today. Um, you know, yeah. getting on Flash, you know, can you talk a little bit about that with Brian Augustine <laughs> and all that, getting on that role? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I had left staff. Uh, I was still sort of untried. I'd done a, a story here and a story there, but I didn't have enough of a resume for people to really take me seriously up there yet. Uh, and Bill Loeb's had left, announced he was going to leave the Flash, and Brian knew I loved the character, and Brian knew that I could write, 
And he offered me the gig. And immediately, all of his bosses said, you've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> you've made a horrible mistake because he's just a big Silver Age fanboy. And all he's going to be doing is retro style comics that, you know, that are right straight in the 1960s. And Brian and I knew better. Mm. And we just kept chugging along and we did it for a few months. And even still, because the, you know, the TV show had been off the air for a little while at that point, the, the one season TV show. And even a few issues into our run, uh, upper management said more than once, like, why don't we just cancel it? Like, I, you know, it's, it's why, why is TV shows gone? Why, why are we even publishing flash? And so we just put our head down and just kept working and kept working. And about the time we got to the return of Barry Allen, that's when people started swiveling their heads around yes. and paying attention. I mean, you started out with two absolute, I mean, top three flash stories of all time with still Born today and return of Barry Allen, mm-hmm. return of Barry Allen is still like, I mean, I, I think Harper calls it the Empire Strikes Back of Flash, and that's that's the perfect way to describe it. I mean, it's just I can't it, it gives believe you all the that feelings. I read that. I read that story without knowing the twist, and I remember like messaging a friend when I was reading it, and I went, "Oh my god, it's going to be Eobard! It's going to be Eobard!" And then I finally got to the reveal with the book, and I was like, "My mind was blown." <laughs> that was that we were so proud of our work. I mean, me and Brian both. I mean, he and I co-plotted that stuff over the phone. He was, we were so proud of that. I. There is one thing in that story I would do differently if I were rewriting it today. And I'm, and I'm curious, it didn't seem to affect your enjoyment of it, which is good. Mm-hmm. But the one flaw in that story is that at no time up until the twist had I explained at all who Eobard Thong was. <laughs> Not even yeah. So if you didn't know anything about The Flash oh. and you got to that twist, yeah. you would have been going, well, okay. Who is this? And that was a mistake. That's something I should have seeded earlier. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that lesson since. So if you're surely if you're reading book, if you're reading know, the Flash you're... at like the seventies, like in yeah. you know, issue seventy-four onwards, you gotta know who your bud thought yeah, is. That that point point, right? <laughs> but you can never count on that. So that's mm-hmm. that that's, is true. that be a lesson to aspiring comics writers is don't forget that every comic is somebody's first. Okay. So, Do you think maybe it would have like like undermined the twist though if you yeah. had tried to like dive kind of into Eobard more beforehand? Then the twist people would have been like, oh yeah, well that makes sense because they were talking about Eobard. You know, there's there's ways ago. to do it. There's ways to do it. I'm working yeah. on something right now that you'll see next year for DC that <laughs> is <laughs> what is a very similar situation where the reveal, you know, in, in the third act, I realize I need to find a way to subtly make sure that you know who that's going to be and so i worked on it hard but i got it like i think i, I think we've nailed it so i don't think you're going to see it coming so i think it's so just a matter excited. of skill you're right you can't have people say hey whatever happened to the reverse flash i don't know you can't have that you know then that mm. gives it all away right but there's of course, yeah subtle ways subtle ways of doing it that's you're, funny you're looking for your, you're looking for your kaiser sosa you pump it a little bit throughout the story yeah. and you get the big twist <laughs> at the end Yep. We actually had a lot of uh, listener questions asking if you were going to be coming back to DC. So I guess that answers that question. Yeah, that covers that. I, yeah, I mean, we haven't yeah. announced anything yet, but it's, I mean, there's no question. I mean, I've already done a few little things here and there and mm. a couple of little things still coming up, but I'm working on some bigger stuff. Oh, awesome. awesome. Good to know. That's so awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll go over a few questions here and there, and we're going to be jumping all over eras here, not just going from origin sure. up. So. I guess I'll start with one question who is asked by Mike Hansford, who asks, are there any old Silver Age or Golden Age Marvel and DC characters they'd like you to see become more popular in comics today? Yeah. Hmm. 
I, I think that the ones that are really good seem to still be stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. I think stuck around. I, I can't think of any, like, I mean, there are certain super obscure ones that I love, like Robbie Reed, but I understand why that's not going to catch on to a modern audience. So mm-hmm. he carries a telephone dial around with him again. That's not going to be. <laughs> Dolly you know, for Hero something. did that too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, so it's, it's, I, what I try to do if I can so that I'm not like a nostalgia act is I look for the spirit of those characters that I love. And the things that I the things that I liked about the characters, mm-hmm. the energy those characters had, and then find a way to sort of translate that into more modern characters, rather than just, oh, here's an obscure golden age character I'd like to bring back. Because you really, unless it's Max Mercury, you really run the risk of it just being, <laughs> who cares, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How did that come about, by the way, Max Mercury? I mean, you pull it out of National Comics number five. Yeah. I mean, that's way out there. <laughs> like, how did that happen? I loved his that con- it's all a costume i love that costume the only time you know i've never seen the golden age stuff i've just seen there was a reprint in a flash hunter page super spectacular with a quicksilver story in it first and only time i'd ever seen quicksilver but i just dug that costume and we were looking for you know ramping up with ter- with terminal velocity ramping up to the idea that someone was going to replace the flash or someone was going to replace wally i wanted to seed the story obviously with as many the universe with as many speeches as I could. So Max comes on and in Return of Barry Allen, sort of knowing that we're that we're going to need a big cast as we go on. Interesting. I There's mean, a joke related to that that I love, where Wally and Linda are joking around talking about Wally having a name different yeah. to the Flash, and yeah. she goes Quicksilver, and he goes yeah. taken. very taken because of yeah. Max and Marvel Quicksilver. Yeah. <laughs> so it's such a good joke. I, I mean, your Flash run is just. It means so much to so many of us. I mean, you know, my account on Instagram is History of the Flash, and without the Mark Wade Flash run, that account doesn't exist. And that means that this podcast doesn't exist. Probably like, not. <laughs> that's how much influence like that run has had. I mean, mm-hmm. you you worked on so many great iconic runs. I mean, as Hunter mentioned in the beginning, Fantastic Four, Daredevil. You know, all, all these Eisner winning things. But that Flash is the one that I, I'll always go back to. Is like, that's the top tier. I mean, that that must have been something crazy to work on while it was while it was it happening, was. right? It was because no one was paying attention. <laughs> which is great. That's kind of the kind of place you want to be so in, a, on a book where, in a book that's not going to be canceled, but no one's paying attention to it. So that's the perfect place to be. So Brian and I got to work out a lot of stuff. If we had, you know, if we had done that book five years later, or if we had done that book under any other circumstances, you know, there might've been people saying, well, you got to do this, you got to do this. And, you know, and not letting us sort of have our freedom. Mm-hmm. And Brian was great. Brian was great that way. I mean, Brian never told me no. On anything instead he would go okay but what about this because we love just riffing back and forth with each other before every issue so again i'm glad you enjoyed it it was a great time i, I on a technical level there's i look back on that stuff and see I, i'm better at certain things but the energy that i had at that early stage when i was obviously very hungry and you know trying to prove myself i think that's you know that's unique to that sort of set of books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you start out with two amazing arcs with Born to Run and Return to Barry Allen, and then you go out on two amazing arcs with Chain yeah. Lightning and Dark Flash Saga. I mean, you know, it, some runs, they have their drags, they have moments where you're like, ah, uh, you know, I don't really love this arc. I, I truly just, I don't have that 
part, you know, that point, I, I just reread all eight books, you know, with the eighth <laughs> one coming out. And yeah. I, I, I still have a blast, you know, 10 times rereading and I still have a blast reading and I still, Thanks. you know, I still get the chills, you know, when Wally escapes the speed force. And I mean, there's just so many iconic moments that come from. We've it. talked a lot really about amazing. how like even the like small two story, like, you know, Wally doesn't save that lady in the fire and she gets right. disfigured and stuff. Oh, that was in so any other series, we would often be like, oh, well, that was the B story that we kind of was just padding between big arcs. JD and I always like, my God, that story was so good. Like, all these I always call it the, the trial of Wally West. That is like yeah. one of my, the most underrated arcs in the whole run. Santa Marta well, as well. That was one we talked about oh, a so lot. Good. Well, the other advantage we had is that back in that time, you weren't having to write specifically for a trade paperback collection. So there was oh, no, right. I've always, I've always said that the return of Barry Allen would have a lot less impact if we had said chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, so that you know that with issue it's going to end. It's like it's like anything. If you see if you're watching a movie and you're not paying attention to the time, you're surprised. But if you're watching a movie and you know it's got ten minutes to end, your brain starts filling in the gaps, right? Point, and and sure. trying to leap ahead. So with a monthly like that, where you know we obviously did arcs that ended up being trade paperbacks, but by and large, you we with the exception of issue one hundred and one fifty we never telegraphed where the story would end. Mm -hmm. So we had complete flexibility, one issue here, seven issues here, whatever. But that is not something that is really done as, as much today in comics to, to, to their detriment. I think that's a fun way of doing a monthly. Mm -hmm. It's a good way of pointing it. Uh, I'm going to jump to a daredevil question. Cause I just have to ask. <laughs> yes. When you originally wrote that foggy Nelson had cancer, did you always plan that he was going to live or did you not have an idea where that was going to go or like, well, oh, I knew he was going to live. I mean, I can't, oh, if you okay. look at my, if you look at my body of work, I think that it's, it tends to be fairly positive and optimistic as yeah. opposed to cynical. Def definitely. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it actually came from, if I recall correctly, Steve Wacker, the editor called and said that uh, Dan Buckley, who was the publisher of Marvel had, was in discussions with a cancer group or you know, like a, a cancer benefit group or whatever, and wanted to see if we could have someone in the Marvel Universe deal with cancer and deal with it on a, re, on, a on a very realistic level and a not, not comic book level. <laughs> and so we took that challenge. And succeeded, clearly. Like I, yeah. I think I speak for most people when reading that, that it's very nerve-wracking knowing that Foggy's getting worse and worse and Matt's able to like kind of smell it in a way, getting worse and yeah. can't be in the room very long and... Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> it's also amazing to see that character cope with it. So, you know, trying to put this face up for Foggy, hey, it's fine. And then as soon as he leaves that room, yeah. it just falls apart. And you're just yeah. like... Yeah, Matt's yeah. whole life is fake it till you make it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and probably the best thing about, you know, just your Daredevil series in general is that the best lines are the ones that take you off guard. Like, I think probably my favorite line of that whole cancer arc is that uh, Matt says to Foggy, well, the healthiest thing you've ever eaten was that time you accidentally ate an apple in 98. I, that just, you know, it caught me so off guard. Like we're talking about serious cancer and then yeah. Matt's cracking a joke on him. It's like, whoa. Like, My yeah, mind went great. in a completely different I went straight to the look. It's red Batman. Like, it's oh, that's totally that's iconic. Oh, so many people mentioned that. <laughs> that was, I have to, I, I hate to admit it, but that was Steve Wacker's joke. God damn it. I hate to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, credit where credit's due. Yeah, it, of course. You know, I mean, the other thing about writing a character like Dare, well, I mean, writing any of these characters, I think if you look at my at my longer runs on stuff, the thing, one of the things that 
I like to do, I don't know if I do it well, but one of the things I like to do is keep you sort of off balance with here's a bunch of dramatic stuff. And then on a page turn, it suddenly turns light or there's suddenly a joke or something's funny. And then suddenly you're in a, you're in a lighter and then suddenly I turn the page again and oh my God, something horrible has happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I like keeping readers on their toes like that. I like reading stories like that. In regards to your daredevil, like with, Brubaker's and Bendis's runs like in the decade prior being so much like radically different from yours yeah. was going the tone you had a hard sell to Marvel or were they just completely with it? Luckily they came to me and said, we want something a little more superhero-y. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't expect it to be quite that. <laughs> swashbuckling. Swashbuckling. Yeah. Like what it was, yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's some pretty horrible stuff happens in that series. It's not light, <laughs> yes. but, but something that's swashbuckling. But Steve Wacker and I were very much on the same page about that. It's, we were very, very lucky to have Marcos Martin and Pop and, you know, and Paolo Rivera mm -hmm. on board from the get, because I, this is not false modesty. If that book had been launched by me and just some generic Marvel artist, no one would have paid attention. No pay attention. It would be over by issue six and people would be going, what is this swashbuckling crap? Get mm -hmm. us back to Dark Daredevil. But when I came to the book, I, I said, look, I if you need dark and grim and gritty, I can't do that. That's just not in my nature because I would rather I'd rather do it my way and fail than try to be Frank Miller or try to be Brian yeah, Bendis. Exactly. I, you know, I or Brubaker, you're gonna you're not gonna be any better at that than those guys are. Yeah. So why try to you know just let me try to write the kind of thing that I like to write and feel good about writing. And it seems like I said, it seems to work out. It's you know ever since you know once we gave it up to you know the next guy, obviously it turned back into dark and grim and stuff, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But I'm glad he had a, a I'm glad Matt had a you know a few years of, <laughs> of swashbuckling. Are you adding on to that though? You. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You could go ahead, Harper. Oh, yeah, I was just going to yeah, add yeah, on to the. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Chips at Arsky, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love I love now Chip. Chip's got to come on and defend himself. Like. Yeah, <laughs> I love Chip, but um, Chip, but no, he's. No, I'm I'm enjoying that. It's not. It's it's hard. It's always hard reading a book after you've left it because it's like seeing an old girlfriend on the street. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like what I was wondering about Flash because you had Jeff Johns follow you. Williamson yeah. just did a long run. Williamson actually passed you in issues written, which is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> which I, know. Like, I, mean, I, I know. I know. I, I said I never go back, but now I feel like I've got to break you the have, record. You have oh, one Flash story please. left to tell. I need to know yeah. about Wally's first time travel. You talked about it in book eight. I need to yep. see it. I mean, you came uh, back to someday. Captain America, so maybe you'll come back to Flash but, one day. Well, yeah, but I only went back. I only went back to Captain America because Chris Somney wanted to go. That's the only reason. Oh, if it had oh been, if it had been so anybody good. else, I would have said no because the problem with going back, and you saw it with my return to Flash with the like the Daniel Acuna issues with the, mm -hmm. the kids and everything, was that I liked what I was doing. I thought we were doing good comics. I liked what exactly, you were doing. It's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to do. But we were excoriated. We were just, you know, yeah. we were, we were, we were badly reviewed because it, because we were. The problem with doing something that you've done before is that you're not just competing with that work. You're competing with people's memory of yeah. that work yeah. and their yeah. nostalgia for it. You're competing thing. with their nostalgia yeah. for that yeah. work, so they're remembering it better than it probably was. And you're not going to hold up to that. So 
with rare exceptions, I really never want to go back and, and, you know, step in the same shoes again, because all I'm doing is set myself to fail. What you want to do is take over a book that sucks. That's what you want. You know? <laughs> yeah. Then then you're in good shape. Then okay. you can then, you know, you're set up to succeed. Yeah. So I, I gotta, I'd be remiss to not mention the flash number zero. I mean, my favorite single issue of oh, all time, just such you. a, such a powerful story, such an impactful story. I mean, we could all, you know, we all want to talk to our younger selves and put ourselves yeah. in the right direction. Right. You actually own the original art by the yes. great, the late, great Mike Waringo, rest in peace. You yep. own the three pages. That's amazing. I, I had no idea about that until I saw that book eight. Oh yeah. If you, I mean, it's way, let's see. Look at that shelf. Oh my I God. Know, a lot of shelf <laughs> happened, happened there. Um, a bit nicer way, than my place, Mark. Just a little bit. Yeah, way in the if you in the corner there. It's a Batman, you know, angle here, Dutch angle. But you, I wish I could get closer. But yeah, there's the pages hung up on the wall there. Oh my god, that, that, that's Frame. extraordinary. Could, could you tell us a little bit about Mike Waringo? I, I wish. I mean, oh man, mm -hmm. such, such a talent lost. His work. On he was. Fantastic yeah, yeah, he was the Flash. sweetest guy, and, and and he's one of those guys who part of the secret of success. His success was that he had no idea how good he was. And that he honestly thought he would be forgotten and he would never go anywhere. Now, and we have awards named after him now. I mean, he is, he was so energetic and he drew the flash in a way that nobody had ever drawn the flash before. Mm -hmm. And to this day, you know, people draw it, you know, they're inspired by the way Mike drew that character. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and it's fantastic forework, which I feel like is such it feels like different than his flash work you know like his flash is like that signature look and the fantastic four stuff is so good too that like i had to like look at the credits and be like oh my god that's mike Waringo as well yeah. like that's mm -hmm. such range as an artist so good i mean just yeah. no bad changes from him he started off good but he just got better and better all the time which a lot of guys don't a lot of guys you know hit their peak early and then they don't improve mike just got better <laughs> every issue but he's so good i mean flash yeah. flash zero it, to this day like you know I talk about how your flash run is, you know, my favorite run of all time, flash zero. I mean, that issue just, you know, it always hits home and, and just the, the overall story. I mean, you know, we all want to talk to our younger yeah. selves. We all want to push ourselves in the right direction. And you said that, you know, it's kind of based on your childhood home, yeah. correct? In, it's based in, on, like, on Blue exactly. Valley. I mean, yes, the, I was driving around Alabama where I grew up that the, you know, and, and I was, I was looking for old places I'd lived and stuff. And I, and I came across this house that I lived in when I was like nine, 10 years old. And I, rem I was sat there outside this house, like leaning on my rental car, just thinking I would give anything to be able to go in the backyard and see young Mark Wade and be able to tell him everything's going to work out. You know, you're wow. don't don't sweat it. It's all going to work out. Everything's good. And that's what you know. So so when I wrote that scene, that's what I was drawing from is that that very deep is, is very autobiographical that moment. Mm -hmm. That kind of connects back with something I wanted to mention before, which is stuff in your work that has really hit home for a lot of people. To me, your depiction of depression in Daredevil was something because like, you know, The Walking Dead was the comic that I like first read and got me into comics. And then I jumped onto Iron Man, which my favorite character. And then your Daredevil was the series that got me into reading things ongoing. And that unpacking of depression, I know for most people here is like, it's interesting when books approach something completely differently instead of, you know, you didn't put Matt in a constant state of depression, right. kind of hit it behind the facade and then really put it out there. And that really hit for someone like me. It's you're when you're doing somebody else's characters that, that you didn't create, it's you 
it's hard sometimes because you don't want to bring so much of your you have to bring you have to bring some of yourself to the character. You just have to. I mean, there's the reason Wally and I clicked is because there's a lot of me and Wally and vice versa. You know, Wally's the fan who made good. He's the one who <laughs> always all he wanted to do was be the Flash when he grew up, and he got to be the Flash. And I was the only guy who wanted to be in comics, and I grew up being comics. We were both <laughs> fanboys, made good. Um, and with and with Matt, you know, I looked at that character and I knew the character really well, and I thought there's, you know, I I see some depressive tendencies here, and I I've dealt with depression all my life. And I'm, I'm glad it worked. I'm glad it made its impact on, on Daredevil. It seemed to be the right move for the character. It's Definitely. dangerous Absolutely. because you, you can also run the risk of bringing in personal stuff that doesn't really fit the character. Yeah. And then it's just kind of it's kind of just cringeworthy. It's, it's a it's, bit awkward. Yeah, it doesn't. Then fit. you're just Mary suing the character, and it doesn't. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's. I never yeah. would have thought I'd heard Mark Wade talk about Mary suing. <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> so. So that was the that was the line I had to you know tread tread you know uh, tread very carefully with Daredevil. I didn't I didn't want it to come across like a Mary Sue character. So yeah. Um, but I think the I think the depression he. he clearly he dealt with depression i mean that was just obvious for me from the day you know the day i first yeah. started reading that character so <laughs> uh i'll go with another fan question here so comic sure. kid asks are there any characters that you haven't written yet but you would like to write in the future there's very few because you've written tom so Brevoort <laughs> and i go over, tom Brevoort and i go over this every couple of years like okay you've done spider-man now what are you gonna do now well there's dr strange okay well i haven't done dr strange we're running out of characters like <laughs> i i have i have i think thor is a great character but i have no interest in writing thor because okay. i'm not a mythology guy i'm not a magic guy i like science um and same with wonder woman like i, I think that's an awesome character but i don't i don't think i have anything to bring to the table there and other than that I guess I mean I've never run I've never done a run on Batman, which might be interesting. Um, I don't know that I've got a Batman. They, they did just lose their writer, so uh, there may be some. I don't know that I've got one. Well, for, no. See, there's this is exactly what I'm talking about. That is a case where you do not want to be the next guy. That's a suicide run. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, that's true. John King, James Tynan. You want it to. You want the next guy to come on Batman to suck for six months. <laughs> I'll write it. You get to be the hero who came in and saved the book. You save him. Um, that's true. So. You know, Batman's one. I mean, Iron Man. I've never done yes, please, a run on. Please. <laughs> yes, yeah, please, Mark. I and I think there's some Iron Man stories in me somewhere, but there's yeah. I mean, I've, that's the thing about 35 years. You know, you kind of touch upon everybody at some point or you another. Do. <laughs> you did it's write like, a Captain America Iron Man crossover in the late 90s, I believe. That was I, about. It was Tony like using uh, a, a a super villain who can control people's like. Sentinel of Liberty, right? Yeah, it was it was really really. Sentinel of Liberty is great. You're thinking of a Sentinel of Liberty thing. He's thinking of an annual. Yeah, I'm thinking of an annual. It's collected in one of the. Yeah, I think it was the Kirk Busaic like books. Yeah, and I saw your name was on there, and I went, Mark Wade wrote Iron Man. Very (laughs) strong memories of that because I remember it's the only job I ever did. It's the only dialogue that I dialogued off of like Kurt and Roger Stern's plot or something like that. I had all the artwork pages in front of me to put the dialogue on. And I remember that it it came in. It didn't come in late. It's in, for whatever reason, and it wasn't because I sat around doing nothing. I I was somehow in a corner where I had to turn in the story pretty quickly. So 
It's the only thing I've ever written in my life where I just sat there from page one and literally did not get out of my chair until I wrote That's the letter. So cool. <laughs> it's in one so glad I brought that up. long pass. Um, and then I felt like, you know, Hercules after that. So <laughs> See, not I, to I, discredit I was... other not to discredit other writers, but I will say I think that one single annual is better than any civil war that Marvel have done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a it's a good little story, yeah. It's good. I, I was thinking of the Sentinel Liberty, which underrated series. You're like the first person to make Sam Wilson cap. Why does no one yeah. why does no one give credit to I that? I get no credit for this. <laughs> he, he was in the cap suit. Yep. Back in black. Yeah, we I was were, ready. We were really <laughs> proud of that. It was amazing that nobody had thought of it up to that time. So yeah, we gave him, we put cap, we put uh, you know, uh, Sam in the cap suit. And that Sounds was a fun story. book to do. That came about because um, Ron Garney was working on, you know, I mean, we, we were working together on Captain America, but he, he had to start behind the eight ball. Like he, when, when the book came back to us, it was already late, which wasn't his fault. And then we had to do so many revisions on the first issue because the then management thought, oh, we know how to tell Mark how to write Captain America. Let's tell him. And so that went through so many revisions that he lost time way off the bat. So once he gets to issue three or four, he's already looking at, you know, fill-ins and stuff. We don't want to do that to him. So here's an idea. Let's just start a brand new Captain America for you. And we'll give the, you know, and we'll give the other one to Andy Kubert. And we got two Captain America books. And this is all yours, Ron. And so again, he ran with it. And so, you know, for that one year, I guess it was 12 issues, right? We yeah, had 12 issues. two Captain America books running and it was a lot of fun to do. All the flashbacks, they're so good. I mean, the, the mm -hmm. Sam Wilson's the one that, you know, stuck with me because I was like, you know, they all give credit to the 2014 version where he becomes Cap. But that's, the, you want to see the first one of him in the suit. That's <laughs> yep. essential. That's it. Yep. Um, was writing him post, or sorry, was writing Sam Wilson when he was Captain America, like for the Avengers in 2015, was that surreal then knowing that you had yeah. done it already? Yeah, it was. And also, <laughs> I had to be, I mean, I, at Marvel, it's hard to write Captain America now, because it's inherently a political character. Yeah. And obviously, Marvel is a multinational conglomerate owned by Disney, and they don't want to be terribly political yeah. with the characters, but you can't help it. So when I was writing Sam as Cap for Avengers, I tried to lean into the idea that a lot of people are like not my cap but there was only so much i could do with that without sort of running afoul of marvel's understandable reason you know mm -hmm. rules about let's not get too left wing or too right wing because we have a, a mm -hmm. wide audience to serve well you also so. wrote when you wrote champions and you you led into sort of like the teen characters in marvel had never gotten such a you know you never really seen the teen titans for marvel but when you did champions yeah. it kind of felt like that and you leaned a lot into the, pol the politics and the kind of political side of that was that also a hard sell or was that spinning off of your avengers was that a lot easier it was a lot easier that was tom brevoort is the one who said let's do this let's let's mm -hmm. do he you know his his touchstones were teen titans and the the X the X Men in the very early Stern and or the very early um, uh, Burn and, and Claremont days, that was his touchstone. We kept he kept wanting us to do a story where the champions get split up for six months and they end up in Antarctica or something like the like the <laughs> like the X Men did. Mm -hmm. um, but that was Tom, and he backed me one hundred percent on that because we knew going in if these are going to be characters that are doing something different than the Avengers, then they need to be dealing with real world problems at the same time you have to be careful how you yeah. write them so that they're mm -hmm. not a bunch of superpowered American kids showing 
other mm-hmm. countries how to solve their problems because mm-hmm. that's insulting and that's yeah. you know that's that's not good so it no i mean it, i got backing on that it's just it with with cap it's just harder because mm-hmm. it's just it's such a political character if you gave me that character right now and said right i wouldn't know what to do with that <laughs> character because it's just a political character that might be why he doesn't have an ongoing. No one really knows what to do with Cap <laughs> right mean, now. Getting, getting it to, to Ta-Nehisi was the best move they could possibly have done because mm-hmm. then you can be political because it's Ta-Nehisi. <laughs> because I find you, it interesting. And everyone oh, knows what they're expecting when his name is on yeah, the phone. When he, exactly, yeah. You know what you're getting with that. But I guarantee mm-hmm. the next guy who comes on, whoever it is, or you know, the next, I keep saying guy, sorry, this, the, the next writer who comes on <laughs> is not going to be allowed to be as political as that. So, so I, I got to ask about, you know, I, I bring everything back to the Flash. It's all about the Flash for me. <laughs> In your perfect world, you know, we went from Jay to Barry, Barry to oh, Wally. This is a fan who, question, too. Who takes yeah. over the mantle? Is it Bart? Because, you, you know, you led to it at Terminal Velocity. Is it Irie? I mean, Kingdom Come. Where does the mantle it's, go it's, it's after Irie. Wally for you? It's Irie. My, I called it. I told it. I told yeah. you it would be Irie. I was right. <laughs> it's not It's not impulse. It's definitely not impulse. Impulse not is definitely best not. as impulse. As we have seen... He makes a terrible flash. 13 <laughs> issues. That's all he got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He got murdered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was such a, it was it. such a terrible idea for a series. It was such a god awful t- <laughs> Olympic level bad idea. Well, and there's the, some very and, bizarre and, and the stuff problem, in that. The problem with Flash the Fast Man Alive, I mean, one of the problems is that you know Dan, <laughs> Dan Didio said from the start he's not lasting as a flash. So you knew it was a limited time. Yeah, anyway. it was set up. It was for never failure, bound yeah. to last. Yeah. Was there at least a little part of you that was happy to see Bart in the costume? Or was no. it just the circumstance? <laughs> no. no. But I tell you, I was I was happy to see him on TV. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's your, that's your character. I was, I was actually going to ask you about the Flash TV show, to be honest. Yeah. I, look, I, I dig it. I mean, it's the first season was the best, obviously, because... Absolutely. Yeah. It's very good. And for the reason being that they didn't know that they were going to get picked up for a second season, so they're like playing all the cards right they're turning yeah they just went bolster in every episode they're doing stuff that if i you know if they knew at the time they were going to be on for seven seasons that first season would be three seasons long Mm. i guarantee it but yeah you know but i i like the show i like grant gustin it's it does it's not my wally it's not my berry exactly but it has the spirit i think of what we've been doing and you know i i like eric wallace a lot he's the you know he's producer and he's a friend of mine he He's doing a good job. I think that it's the show. If the show has any Achilles heel, it is the same one that all of the CW superhero shows I know, have. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which is that there's a hundred characters in every episode. Yeah. And there's always a team and the team is a bunch of tech nerds and the tech nerds are like, yeah. Barry, we need you to go to the fifth of Avenue, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Barry's like, what do I do? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I really don't know how I'm impressed that they can, that they can do it at all because I don't know yeah. how you write something where it's you have to do an Allegra story and a, you know a, you know see a, a Cecile a, or whatever like they have Cecile go off with a la, uh, what's a elongated man to like a yeah. random yeah. subplot for half an episode yeah I, yeah you got that many characters on the on the show I mean that's why they change I think that's why they changed the opening of the show to no longer be you know, my name is Wally West. I'm the or the Barry Allen, the Flash. To that, <laughs> we wish montage. it was Wally West. We wish it was. <laughs> you no, know, but at least the montage gives you know all the characters in the show some screen time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's cool to see that you are a fan of the live action 
superhero yeah. shows. I remember on Word Balloon a few months back, you were saying how when Loki first began, how you were you guys were all speculating on what it's going to become and everything. Did you finish Loki yeah. in the end? Yeah, I liked it. I, I I wish he'd look more like Kang, but I'm okay with it because you know, I love Kang. I love yeah. Kang. I was actually man, man out of time. You used him. That, that took <laughs> and me your, on such a loop. And your Avengers, your uh, yeah. your Avengers run after all new, all different with uh, all the eras of the Avengers fighting uh, three different eras of Kang was just blew my mind. I, I think that. Thank you. Was, I, <laughs> I love, love that, that character. Brilliant. Uh, but I know I, I, there's there's I won't say which ones I don't watch because it's I don't want to <laughs> I don't want any showrunners show come after me. But I don't watch all of them, but because mm-hmm. some of them just feel like homework. Like I feel yeah. like good because <laughs> yeah. because it has. But you know, Star Girl I dig because it yeah. has so many Easter eggs in it. You know. Mm-hmm. Titans is an acquired taste, but but there's stuff I love. Doom, Doom Patrol is great. I cannot uh, wait yep. to see the third season of Doom Patrol. It's you. I, I know now I'm sounding like everybody's granddad when I say this, but oh, that's you so don't good. know how good you have it. You just don't. Oh. When, you know, oh, when I was a kid, it was Adam West. And that's all. That's all we had. You know, and then we yeah. had Nicholas Hammond as Spider-Man. That's what we had. So <laughs> and now. You know, I remember distinctly the moment when it really sank in was when I was going to see uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and in order and I'm doing it in a, in a you know, multiplex like we all do. And I'm walk, as I'm going to see Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm passing by Wonder Woman, you know, playing in the other theater. Yeah, that is a world that I never imagined for a million years would, would happen mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I never thought I would see Starro on my on my you know, TV <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to go back to ask another Daredevil question. Sure. If it were up to you, the best woman for Matt Murdock, who would it be? Would it be Kristen McDuffie? Or someone That's else? That's a good question. I've honestly never thought about it. I oh, really? Never really thought about it. I thought, I mean, she was designed very much for the moment. I, it's not, I don't think it's Karen Page. Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. yeah. She's also dead, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think it's Electra, partly because it's obvious. Yeah, um, I and I it also gives in to Matt's worst tendencies if he yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's not Black Widow because that cheapens her as a character every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Every time she's with Matt, it becomes the Matt show, and yeah. that mm-hmm. undersells her as a character. So maybe. I mean, how many of them are still alive? First off, <laughs> that's that's a good not, it's not a good thing to get in a relationship with Matt Murdock. No, it's know. really not. Maybe it's, so. maybe it's Heather Glenn. Oh, not Heather Glenn. Yeah, maybe exactly. <laughs> See, you got. Yeah. yeah, yeah what else enough. you get? Give me some more, more, was, more fan questions. What ask, you got there? Yeah, we'll go oh, go ahead. You, you, you have had very little screen time here, so please. Ask. <laughs> I've just been, I've been fanboying this entire time. I was going to ask, um, Kingdom Come mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, probably the greatest comic book of all time. And I've gone on saying it's my favorite like story ever. Thank you. You wrote Superman like when you're reading when you're writing him in the '90s, and you know the stories that say it was influenced by the image boom and kind of yeah. how dark and grim comics are getting. When you wrote him then, and now how have you seen him kind of evolve since then with movies, TV shows? Do you kind of go? Do you kind of think that you kind of like you caught on to a little early because you see so much dark and grim Superman? You see so much. Mm kind of right. ripping the hope out of these characters do you think you were kind of like like when you were writing that did you think it would get to that point in the future or no i never thought that no mm-hmm. no actually i never i never really thought i would get a swing at superman so other than <laughs> kingdom come so 
Um, no, I mean, I, the thing about Kingdom Come that, that strikes me looking back at it, and Paul Levitz was the one who pointed this out, Paul Levitz, the publisher at DC at the time. He said, it's a Superman story. I said, no, 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 it's, it's a bunch of characters. And he says, no, no, no. Anytime you put Superman into a story, he's such yeah. you know, a character with such gravity that the story just becomes a Superman yeah. story, whether you like it or me, not. When people ask me yeah. my favorite Superman story, I often just say Kingdom Come, even Thank though you. people would say it's a DC story. It's it, a I think it's, it's hard. It's a Superman yeah. story. It re, yeah, it really kind of is, you know, mm-hmm. so. And Superman's also my favorite character, probably because of Kingdom Come as well. Thank you. All right. Very cool. And also thank you, Alex. So, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, he can make anything look good. Anything. Yeah, he can. Yeah. We'll go on to some fan, some fan questions now. Kobo uh, McGee asks, what was it like moving between different publications so often? It's not hard. I mean, the thing is, I love all these characters. So it's just a, a you know, a, a smorgasbord. It's like it's, it's just fun to be able to have the variety. And I get bored really easily. So it's just fun to move around. It's not hard to shift gears. It, it's, you know, I can write Archie in one morning and then write Daredevil in an afternoon. And nice. <laughs> I just, just enjoy the characters. So it's not hard. Is there a universe you prefer? Marvel, DC, Archie? Like the, I, the DC universe. I mean, that's mm-hmm. because that's what I loved as a kid. That's that's my home. Fair enough. It would have been a swing out of nowhere if he went Archie. We'd all be like, oh, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's my that's Whoa. my jam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and uh, so how would you say that you've kind of evolved as a writer? I mean, you know, you've been writing 30 plus years now. Five years, I mean, yeah. I mean, a very long career and just, you know, so many iconic runs written during that time. Do you do you feel like your style has changed at all from, you know, say Born to Run to, you know, whatever you're writing in 2021? Like, has, has it shifted a lot or do you think it's still kind of the same stuff? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to say because I'm the, or at the inside looking out as opposed to the outside looking in. I think that... I do know that the, the if anything, the, the thing that I have learned most in certainly in the first 10 years I was doing stuff was that when I first started writing comics, I was very much about the plot. I was very much about wanting the plot to be this, you know, beautiful, intricate Swiss watch of gears that mesh together. And, and that's great. But the thing is, that's not what people buy stories. That's not what people read stories for. I like story. I like clocks. I like clockwork plots like that personally, but that's not why you don't watch. You don't watch back to the future because it's a clever plot. You watch back to the future because you're really invested in Martin McFly. Mm. And mm-hmm. so that was the lesson is like a plot is just a framework for the story. This plot is not a story. A plot is just a framework for a story. And the real story is the emotional stuff. The real story is the character stuff. And once I really zeroed in on that, you know, it, 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 I, I don't know that my, I don't know that my, I guess, well, I guess, let me turn the question around to you guys. Do you think my style has changed well, no. much in, in the time? See, I, I would say no, because, you know, when I'm reading a book, I could tell right away, like, this is a Wade book, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously I know because I'm picking it out, but like, yeah. I, I could tell from your Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Flash, like, it's all the same writer, yeah. you know? So I, I think that your style has just been consistent, you know what I mean? And it started so good, like, you know, when you're starting out with Born to Run and Return to Barry Allen, like, you already set the gold standard. You're staying at <laughs> yeah. the gold standard. I would say that, like, slight changes in error because you mm-hmm. have to kind of change and modify your style for each error. Like, yeah. when you're writing The Flash, obviously, it's a bit more wordy than Daredevil was. Daredevil was yeah. a bit more stripped back, kind of, like we said before, swashbuckling to yeah. the yeah. point, and then you pull it back. So I think 
I wouldn't say that it's a change in terms of, oh, wow, he's completely different to how he was mm-hmm. back then, but it's like right. evolving with the times. And, you know, obviously yeah. you can't write a book in 2020 like Chris Claremont would, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't. And it's, and being, you know, I, I don't know why I've been lucky enough to have this long run, but if it's anything, it's that I'm just, am aware of that, that you can't, yeah. I'm always very, very, actually the longer I'm in comics, more and more, I'm very careful not to be a nostalgia act. I'm very careful not to, <laughs> not to be a retro guy. I don't want to be that guy. I want to continue evolving. And I love reading comics to this day, but mostly I love reading comics that break rules and show me different ways of telling stories. And, you know, give me Chris Ware, give me, you know, the Hernandez brothers, give me people who are playing with, the page in ways that i haven't seen before that i can bring to the table that's that's more fun to me than just trying to you know mimic an old silver age style yeah (laughs) not to criticize anyone neither of you but that's like the reverse jeff johns (laughs) 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 jeff Jeff loves his nostalgia troops (laughs) it's just it's an easy thing to i mean you love these characters it's an easy thing to fall into but you just yeah it's gonna date you there's there have been Mm. there's more than one in the last three or four years there's been more than one project that i passed on because it could come off too much i mean it would be easy like rolling off a log easy but it would was one of them doomsday clock no no (laughs) well i mean here's an example one of them was for the um the the heroes reborn or thing they just did oh yeah yeah yeah. sinister and they offered me the one that was uh, like a, a, a parody, uh, not parody, but a, like a, a send up of an old reprint of a Marvel comic from the seventies. It was the, like the Nightwing, whatever it was, the, you know, it was a one shot that was made to look like a, it was a reprint of something of that mm-hmm. universe from the 1970s. Yeah. I could have done that with my eyes closed. I could have, but, <laughs> but it just, I didn't want to go there. It felt like a trap. It felt like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, that then I'm a nostalgia act at that point. And it, it's books? also kind of like maybe they wanted you just so they can be like, Mark Wade wrote this issue instead <laughs> it's, of it's, like, you know, whoever. I don't know. I don't know. But it just, it was. <laughs> Are there any books or runs looking back at that you think you might have like gone into that a little bit too much nostalgia or? Good question. I don't know. I'm looking, let me look at the shelf or the, off of the side. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've obviously I've played in that arena with, you know, with JLA year one, I played in that arena mm-hmm. with Brave and the Bull, with Flash and Green Lantern. But even Brave still, and the Bull is oh, so yes. good. It does Thank not get so credit. Good. That's the best Barry Allen story. <laughs> I stand by it. It's so but, good but, anyway. But trying again, trying really hard with Tom with Tom Pyre to make it not a nostalgia run. But that's as close as I that's as close as I've come. It's 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 trust me, there's nothing in the world I would rather I would really rather do in, in my deepest, darkest moments than just write a Silver Age Flash Green Lantern book, but it's the audience for that is pretty much on this call. You know, that's pretty much it. And he's not wrong. I'd I'd be subscribed to it already. Yeah. Yeah. You would be. But, you know, but then I, but I, you know, I've got to keep, I got to keep moving forward. So, Uh, of course. So the the Fantastic Four meeting God, Jack Kirby, I mean, that's got to be one of the coolest things you've ever written. I mean, that's a top 10. Scene of all time. Where did that come from? Like, was that just something you thought of? Like, was there inspiration behind it? So cool. It was. I. 
I knew I wanted to do the the going to heaven story. Um, and Tom Brevoort was very much against it for all the right, all the right and obvious reasons. And the challenge he gave me was if they go to heaven, it has to be a non duplicatable feat. In other words, it got, it can't just be something that we whips up that they can then use a year from now or two years from now and Mm -hmm. use it again and again and again, you can only Mm -hmm. do the story once. And thought about it and thought about it. And once I realized, oh, we, it's right there in front of us. Doom already invented a machine that does this. That's his origin. He invents a machine that, you know, breaks the boundaries between the here and the hereafter. Then you can only use it once. So great. We were covered there. And once we're, I mean, really the, the remit of the series was going places that the characters had never been before. And when you're in heaven, seemed to me like you had to meet God. And I wish I could take credit for that too. But I believe that was Tom Pyre who's I was on the phone with him. And he said, I said, well, like, what does God look like in the movie? He says, it looks like Jack Kirby. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's exactly, awesome. that's that's so exactly awesome. what he does. Yeah. Did Stan, uh, did, did Stan know about that, by the way? Because I mean, obviously he was still you know alive yeah. when, when you wrote that. Like, does Stan know that you made that story? Does he know like... And he call you up and go, hey, why didn't you make me God? I know. <laughs> no, luckily, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to get upgraded by him. No, no, it's, it's I, had a, I, mean, I had a nice relationship with Stan. I mean, it was, I was, it was always, it was enough where he would recognize me when we saw, when he saw me. It was like, it was, oh, that's, that's amazing. cool. That was nice. Um, it was tough seeing him near the end. It was just tough yeah. seeing him being trotted out to, oh, you know. I- by the, there's a, by the there's monsters. A yeah, the there's monster a lot of too. awful, awful stuff with the yeah. end of his yeah. year. Like he was, the monsters were ruling him and just taking him to shows and it was just horrible yeah. to watch. So, um, so I'm glad he, I'm glad he finally got a, some rest. You know, I mean, mm. he was, say what you want about Stan, but he was always kind and generous to me and that's, that goes a long way. Of course. Yeah. Well, Mark, I have one. Or, no, I have a good one. Go? Okay. Let me ask my go one. Ahead. I can <laughs> this, oh, we can go. We can go a few more minutes. Let's go ahead. Well, this is a okay, this perfect. is a friend of the show, and she's typed yeah. this up, and it's like a bit of a message and a bit of a question, and it's just about your flash run. Um, so this is Beth, and she said, "Wally made me feel less alone in my anger and depressive episodes. Hartley taught me that my empathy wasn't a weakness, but a strength." She's a massive Hartley fan, probably the number one Hartley fan I will ever in know. In the world, planet. Um, yeah, I yeah. Um, but a strength and Linda taught me uh, was one of the first examples of an empowered and strong woman I was exposed to. It's hard to put into words how much your run means to me, but I just oh, want to say nice. thank you. And then the question was, if you could write a mini series about one flash rogue, who would it be and why? You know, she wants the answer to be Harley. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not going to be Harley. It's going to be who would it be? Because Jeff has his Captain Cold fixation. Yeah, it's not he Captain is Captain Cold. Cold. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fixation. <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? I, and I think, I mean, I to be honest, I kind of did it with Underworld, right? That was a trickster story mm-hmm. at yeah. heart. And that was a setup to have trickster if we wanted to do him as an as a ongoing after that. Um, that's, I think it would still be trickster. I love, I love just, you know, James Jesse. I think it's a good character. You would do a great, like, abracadabra horror story yeah <laughs> abracadabra, abracadabra is your run. go-to cadabra so is your man he was He's my so go-to i'm a man you made when him freddy krueger with magic it's so awesome. when i was at two, there were two things for me there was comics and magic those are the two things going and it, there's a world in which i'm not a comics guy i'm a professional magician and <laughs> really and a, a sad sad professional magician working nightclubs and making you know twenty five thousand dollars a year 
Um, I could picture the business card with the M and the W, like some kind of magic yeah, going on. Yeah. You got the name for it. <laughs> and I still, I still love that stuff. So that's, you know, anytime if this, I can If this bring... comic thing doesn't work out, I mean, you, you might have a career in magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly, that may be it. So that's, so that's where that, that's, that's my fixation with Abracadabra is anytime I can bring stage magic into a story, I'm happy. For <laughs> there is a quick fan question that's uh, by seeing yeah. through the lens that asks, if you could go all the way back and change history, would you still be a writer? Wow. No, he'd be a magician. He yeah, just that's why I'm wondering. If you're not listening, I'd be a, I'd be a professional magician. $25,000 a year. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd change anything. I think that I, you know, I, like all of us, there are things that I would do differently, but mm. knowing what I know now, but ultimately, even though this wasn't what I set out to do, to be a writer, this is, it seems to have worked out well. And it's a, I, I it is a privilege to be able to write things that people respond to emotionally, that people remember, that that have some impact in people's lives. That's an undeniable privilege. You're, you're the luckiest guy to be able to do that and have that opportunity. So, yeah, I don't think I changed that at all. That's a great I mean, answer. I mean, I, I would yeah. say the four of us are, you know, we, we, we'd like to be writers one day. We'd like to make stories. Yeah. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's trying to make their way in, you know, I mean, I know it's a much, which we are trying to do when you came. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, I have, I, so, so philosophical and practical philosophical I've already given you, which is that a plot is not a story, you know, it's mm -hmm. all about emotion. Um, on a practical level, the beauty of the, the beauty of the internet is that it's democratized comics, right? 10 years ago, it was, you know, you want to break into comics, write up a plot and send it in. And, you know, it, you should go to conventions and show your work around and maybe you'll get somebody to take a look at you. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. Now you want to do comics, go make internet and go make web comics, go make web comics, because I'll tell you <laughs> the God's honest truth is that Marvel and DC and bigger companies like that. They look at that stuff. They mm -hmm. it's there. It's not beneath their notice because for two reasons. One is that it's, it's just easy. It's a, it's a great, you know, showcase for people's talents looking at, at web comics. But more importantly, if you're doing a web comic, and you do it like every week or whatever it is, every two weeks, or whatever, but you're doing it for a, uh, a length of time. And I can look and see you were diligent and you had a work ethic and that you did your it's story updating. like on time. That gives you a leg up immediately over anybody yeah. who's just coming in fresh. Cause I don't know from, I don't know from sample pages, whether or not this is somebody who I can count on, but if I look at a web comic and I see that you've been diligent about putting the work up, that's, that's a big plus. That's your resume pretty much. It's your resume. Exactly. So yeah. That's and great advice and never forget that it, your work is your resume in this industry. And you know, you, you have to be flexible. You have to listen to editors. You have to be willing to, you know, shape and change stories. But at the end of the day, you can never turn in anything in that you, that you're ashamed to have your name on because it will haunt you forever. And if you do, you know, six bad issues of, I don't know, you know, justice league or whatever, uh, two years from now, people are not going to remember, Oh, that was because of this or that was because of that. Or they're just going to look at these books and go, Oh, this sucks. You know, who wrote this? <laughs> oh, there's, I know there's a lot of guys in comics <clears throat> who are better writers than I am who cannot get arrested because they spent, way too much time being 
you know, errand boys and they spent too much time mm. taking a little too much editorial guidance and in, ended up doing really mediocre comics for a long period of time. And they, now they can't get arrested and that's not fair, but yeah. so just be, you know, that is be, be very, you know, guard your work closely. Like you can't, it's gotta be stuff that you're excited about. It's gotta be work that you feel good about having your name on. There's nothing wrong with saying to an editor, I'm not right for this job. You know, all, you know, I'm not angry. I'm not pissed off. It's just, look, sometimes we're all, you know, we're all, we all have a job. We're not right for This is not the, this is not the right job for me. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's a good now, answer. He, that's, he, 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 He's got me ready to send in my flat. I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now and send my Wally West pitch. In. I mean, I'm, you got me pumped up right now, Mark. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do one more, and then I got I got to split. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we appreciate it. I have a fan question for for now. Better be a good one. This is yeah, the last it one. It better be the best question. Do not screw this up. <laughs> it's a simple one. <laughs> Don't ask him what magic trick he'd do. Yeah. <laughs> Hazem ten nine one one asks, "What is your all time favorite superhero and your all time favorite comic book?" Mm. Oh, uh, my all-time favorite superhero, Superman. Covered that yep, already. Figured out. My all my all-time favorite comic book is Action Comics number five hundred. Oh, came out interesting. 19, came out in nineteen seventy nine. It is a like a sixty four page story that is the origin of Superman, the, the life story mm-hmm. of Superman. It's drawn by Kurt Swan, who is my favorite artist of all time, quintessential Superman artist. And yeah. the reason it's my favorite is not just because it's the story of Superman. It's that there. It was written by a guy named Marty Pascoe. Mm-hmm. And Marty was great. Marty didn't do a whole ton of comics work, but what he did was, yeah, exactly. Yes, that's my favorite comic book of all time. <laughs> that's my Desert Island comic. And Marty <laughs> is the one who taught me as a, as a reader that it that it's important to get inside the characters' heads and to and, and to when you take on these characters, when you write these characters, you have to write them from the inside out. You have to wear the suit. You have to imagine what life is like if you have daredevil's abilities what is your everyday life like if you're the human torch what is your everyday life like how does it impact every moment in your life there's a scene in that issue of of action comics where superman's telling the experience of crypto of finding crypto when he was a boy that that crypto was his dog on krypton and then through a freak accident ends up on on earth and he finds him years later and he's telling the story and he says you know, it's hard to explain that I was the, I was alone. You know, I mean, nobody else in the world knew what it was like to have my abilities. And, you know, no one, it's, it means everything to have somebody who knows the feeling of the wind as you fly through the air or the sound that bullets make when they bounce off human flesh. Yeah. That's, you know, that he had that, he had he shared that with, with something fine. And that, that line that, you know, the, the sound bullets making they bounce off human flesh. I actually, years later through some incredible, I think fluke of destiny, that page came up on eBay and I found that page. No way. And it's, it's framed on my wall. And that, <laughs> wow. made, that mean if there's, if there's any, if there's a single one page of comics that taught me and made me want to be a comic book writer, it's that one page. Because wow. it's all about not about what it not about superpowers, not about you know villains, not about fighting. It's about what it's like to be this character and looking at it in a way that people haven't looked at it before. That's that's what I like doing is showing you a side of these characters that you've never thought about before. 
well said. That was a hell of an answer, Endor. <laughs> Thank you. But, that, that but, was but, but, now we all go. That's why he's a writer. That was loaded. Yeah, that we all go read action can I say one thing? Can I say yeah. one thing before we end? Yeah. And these guys are all going to hate me for doing this. Mark, tomorrow in Australia is the 13th of August, which is yeah. my birthday. Can I get a happy birthday for Mark? <laughs> You as like happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Mark. I forgotten all he, that. So, he's gonna, oh, it's he's, Harper. Harper. Happy birthday, Harper. He's going to screen record much. that now and just play that every year for the rest of it's his life. Be my yeah. ringtone, man. <laughs> uh, listen, M- Mark, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. This, this was amazing. I mean, we're all still smiling here to hear. Thank you so much. Um, to the viewer, if you love this, show us some love, like, subscribe, <laughs> comment, all that stuff. For a hero story, I'm JD. I'm Hunter, and thanks for being a hero. And remember, every second is a gift. Goodbye. Thanks, Mark. You bet. Wow. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you, you bet. That was All right, amazing. I'm going to call it a night. I'm going to go watch uh, yeah. Superman and Lois. And, uh, yeah. I will oh, awesome. <laughs> it's a great episode, Mark. I watched it last night. All right, take care, guys. See you, All right, Mark. See you. I'm holy still- shit. Holy, holy shit. shit. <laughs> That was so good. That I'm was still recording, perfect. by the way. I'm still recording. That's, oh, yeah, the best no, that's, episode, that's the best episode of a hero story. Yeah. Hunter, that is if you episode. lose this recording, like, okay, well, this is being recorded right now. I might actually kill you. This is being recorded. <laughs> this is, holy oh shit, God. guys. That went perfect. Hunter before the episode was just like, oh, you know, I've seen him on like Word Bubble or whatever. Is that Word, what, Word Bubble? Word, Word balloon, balloon, who gives a fuck? And was just like, oh, you know, sometimes it like the internet quality does like crash. That was Word perfect. Balloon. <laughs> it that was, was so perfect. perfect. Oh, my that God. Was, oh, my God. That is the greatest episode of Hero Story. That was still going. It's still going for some that reason. That was Mark Wade. And that was Mark He forgot my Wade. name. <laughs> he knows your name. He said happy yeah, birthday. <laughs> that was fucking incredible. I, I already know you're going to screen record oh that. You're going to post that. Holy shit. You're going to show your mom that. Oh, my God. I'm going to show my extended family I haven't spoken to do in like a decade that i'll be like guys look mark that... they'll be like who the fuck are you well, was anyone else not like i was ready to run through a brick wall when he was talking like yeah i was just like let's pants. get to writing yeah like i'm oh ready man God, oh damn me Dude, the, fact, the fact that we were like you know me hunter jd were like you know just kept it going kept yeah, talking and just, then he was I like was all right guys can, can this guy down here like have i was a go? like, like i was just because I, I forgot i was like here i was, I was like, watching, watching the podcast yeah genuinely i, would, I was like i would just kind of add on Wade. to what he was saying instead of asking my own questions like just i had to, to get in a kingdom the... come question eventually Holy yeah shit. that, that was, was so good mark wade oh my god I, I, we talked to the greatest comic, comic book creator of all, of all time. time. Do not yeah. hesitate. He is. He he's a great Wade. guy, too. He was a, he's so, he was wow. such a nice guy. Wow. I mean, wow. That, that was... <sighs> what do we do now? We don't do the episode. This, this might be fuck? the end of a hero story. It, it's yeah, been it's a good run, not, guys. Not, it's not, it's, not, that. it's been a good run. It's not the end. We'll see you next week. But... Yeah, we'll have to get more writers on, more artists too. Let's just let's get more. We guests. can't top get, that. Yeah. We can't top it. But oh, I feel so. Yeah, I'm like JD. I want to run through a brick wall now. Yeah, like, I've like, never taken like, let, drugs let's get before, some but I imagine going. this is what it's like. I feel bit. like I've had adrenaline injected into my heart. <laughs> See, <laughs> like you know that scene in Pulp Fiction. That's yeah. what I feel like right now. You, you know when they talk about like you're, you got like a serotonin boost and it makes you all happy. Like the yeah. second he yeah. joined the call, all of a sudden my brain was like. 
Ooh, <laughs> it just, it just didn't feel right. Like he showed up and you guys went, hi. And I just went, holy shit. Yeah, it means, <laughs> there were points where I would look over and I would look back and I'd, I'd forget that I wasn't listening to this podcast because I was like, there's no way we're actually speaking with Mark, Mark Wade. Right Mark Wade. Tyler, yeah. did, your heart, did your heart jump when he goes, well, oh, what about you? Why don't you ask him? I was like, oh, God, oh, God. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the most nervous I've ever seen Tyler because Tyler's usually like, oh, I don't give a fuck, whatever, whatever. But he's I just ha- like, oh, what's I, your Superman? With, um, I got you know, to Kingdom ask Come, Mark which is my favorite story. Kingdom Come Superman, bro. Oh, I love yeah, the fact true. that he knows the the like, the like pitfalls of other writers. Like when I mentioned <laughs> Jeff and he was just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love his take on Chip Zdarsky. Oh, wow. Wait, do we just end it? Hopefully, yeah, Chip Zdarsky sees that and then wants to reach out to us too. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, we got to put <laughs> that clip and tag Zdarsky. Yeah. Someone tweet that at Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening. I guess I'll stop the recording. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are we doing? Like, I feel we can, like we, we can rejoin. Huh? Like after, like once he saved it, we can like join and call and still debrief if you would like. Right. We'll do the episode. Oh, we can do an episode. I, I just meant know, I don't know. talk about the fact that we just interviewed Mark fucking Wade. Wait, I wasn't right even now. thinking about you an can, episode. You know, uh, if you guys like this, like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. We'll get another writer probably soon. Um, Hopefully. And yeah. Okay. Thanks That's for listening. Promise. <laughs>